Welcome to the Legendarium. We are the blue team and we are talking Persepolis Rising. Actually, I think two of us are talking Persepolis <laughs> Rising and one of us is talking Persepolis needs to go away. Is that, is that, wait, I, those of you who have joined us on this journey and are wondering how we have been able to hold Stephanie to doing this, so are we. Uh, but she We're keeps coming along. That. Well, now she's at the point where it's like, I just, I'm almost there. Let's just get this done with. And Brian can relate. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing that you are willing to suffer so much for art and for our community and because nobody wants to listen to Ken and I on our own. You're you're all welcome. Including there us. There you go. You are uh, all very welcome for my presence in this moment. Before we dive into... I love your presence. Before we dive into Persepolis Rising, just a couple of quick housekeeping. Um, as always, excuse me, uh, as always, engage with us on Discord. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us where you find your popular podcast, legendarianpodcast.com. Uh, we are, we are the, I, Craig likes to say we are the kindest place on the internet or the nicest place on the internet. Discord the Discord is the, server. the nicest place yeah. on the internet. Yeah. Our, our Discord Yes, our Discord. I Absolutely. Think, uh, and I, I have to apologize. I've, I switched to a new phone and so I haven't reloaded Discord yet. So if anybody's been saying bad things about me, I haven't responded. Um, so I'll respond to them later. So but. it's like normal. Pretty much like normal, yeah. Pretty much. Thanks, Ken. Uh, have I told you that I hate you lately? You have you told me that before? No. That's a that's a Craig thing. That's a Craig thing. That's a Craig thing. I'm channeling my inner curmudgeon today. There we go. I like it. Uh, but so, you look fancy. Thank you. Thank you. Complete with the uh, professorial look. And right? that's something I've yeah. never said to Craig. So. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and dive into Persepolis Rising. Sweet. Stephanie, you have a recap for us. <laughs> <laughs> No, sure. Stephanie does not have the recap. Oh no, she 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 assured me she has <laughs> the recap. Should we should we do a battle of the recaps? Because right. I'm pretty sure you've got a recap too. Maybe. I want to hear the battle of the recaps. So Stephanie, <laughs> set the bar. You go first. We are now 30 years later, and nothing has changed. And I'm done. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what else do you want? Like. Oh, I love there are new characters that I don't care about. <laughs> there are old characters that are just older. Alex is bald. And there, the, nothing has changed. <laughs> uh, Alex is even more divorced. Okay, yeah, 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 exactly. All right, so that was that was number one. That was number one. <clears throat> Let's hear offering number two. I don't know how I can compete with that. <laughs> That was, why did I waste time on this? <laughs> oh my goodness. 30 years have passed since Marco Inaros and the Free Navy were conveniently swallowed up by the monster at the end of the universe and life has been great. Sunlight re is returning to Earth. Mars and Earth have had a, a good working relationship and Jim Holden's Belter Outreach, Outreach Program wow, has successfully uh, put Belters with purpose in the universe. Everything is going great until it isn't. <laughs> Stephanie didn't read that part. I'm just kidding. I think she did. Remember <laughs> remember all those Martians who took a bunch of resources and weapons and ran off to one of those 1,300 other sides of the universe like 30 years ago? Well, they're back. And they've really leveled up thanks to that protomolecule sample that they stole from under Fred Johnson's nose while they were busy being distracted by the Free Navy's temper tantrum. Yeah. 
Former Martian Admiral Winston Duarte has used the last three decades to crack a few protomolecule eggs and ramp up the, his aspirations to some lofty levels like Lord Ruler levels where the Laconians will unite the entire 1300 system galaxy under the benevolent watchful eye of one immortalish Lord Duarte. I've been rereading most Mistborn. It shows. It yeah. shows. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of top of mind. However, Duarte's biggest problem going forward isn't going to be the combined forces of the Earth-Mars coalition, which he proved immediately laughably inferior to the new souped-up not-Martians. And in their haste to take over the galaxy, they also frustrated the plans of one Galactic Eagle Scout, James Q. Holden. I don't know what his middle name is. <laughs> and his merry troop, Holden and Naomi's plans to sell off their shares of the Rosinante and ride off into the sunset are suddenly put on hold by the Laconian takeover of Medina Station and the Gate Network. And now it's up to the Rosies to stir up a little rebellion on Medina against overwhelming forces as another gargantuan proto-battleship heads their way... And that's only the first half. Wow. Yeah. Stephanie, so. I think you won the battle of the recaps there. I mean, really? Yeah. Nothing <laughs> has changed. I mean, there you go. Stephanie's better. It's just oh, 30 years later. It's just 30 years later. That was the one thing that, that was the one thing about this is that I when when they started talking about Laconia, I'm like, "What in the world?" And then they say, "After 3 decades, what in the world?" <laughs> I was I was kind of annoyed. <laughs> I started listening to this and I'm like, who is this guy? I don't know who this is. And it's like, oh, it's been three decades. And I was like, what the crap? Man. So, so these guys are like in their 70s not now. Not thrilled. You know, yeah, you know 80s. Uh, at, at least they're 60s, 50s, 60s. I, yeah, maybe. But um, I, I mean, I'm, life expectancy is probably going to be longer now. And well, you know, the by is. the sound of it, you get pieces replaced when you get bored of yeah. them. Yeah, they said much. they had like life-expanding drugs or something like that. Dune, oh. yeah, it's the spice. It's the spice. Spice coming from Mars. Sure. I didn't even get into the fact that Christian Sarla is still alive and not kicking. You know, I am because she's so, mostly riding okay. around in a wheelchair. But. So, and maybe this is just going to be a scatter episode, but. When I, I, they're going through and they're making their, you know, there's Bobby. Okay. There's Amos. Okay. There's Clarissa. Okay. James and Naomi. Okay. And I'm thinking, but where's, where's Kristen Avasalara? Where, where is, where's my favorite person <laughs> in the world? And there she is coming in on a walker, completely gray haired and still dropping the F bomb every time she gets an opportunity. I was stoked. I think that was fun listening to it because before like you hear her speak before they say who she is. Yeah. <laughs> and so on the audio book, you actually get to hear her speak and you're like, oh, no. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's coming. Is. It's coming. She's like, And so it was just funny oh. to be like listening to it and you're going along and then you just hear her voice. And it's just that, I mean, not that I find her voice grating or anything, but I imagine like that's how people feel when you just hear her from the back of the room. like Especially because uh, every opportunity to speak is also an opportunity to drop an F-bomb. <laughs> and I think, I, it, I mean, as I'm looking at it now, I'm thinking to myself, maybe she, maybe they wrote her doing that because it keeps all of her comments from ever being usable as sound bites. <laughs> so... It's a plan on because as they write the book, she doesn't always talk like that. No. She just does that when she's being extremely annoying. <laughs> and I love it. It's one of it's one of my favorite things 
about this group. I, I mean, I love Amos. Uh, I've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed some of those characters, but when, when Christian shows up, I'm like, okay, I'm settling in it's, my favorite character. It's fun in the sense that this is an opportunity and it feels like a nine part series in three, in three trilogy chunks. Yeah. Right. And it feels like the opportunity to see what everybody always says about their favorite characters. I wonder what happened after this was done. And here's oh, yeah. the after this was done and now we get to see what happens to them later in life and i'm kind of enjoying it i mean partly i'd like to see how this resolves but it is fun to see them 30 years older and not quite as anxious to take off to the other side of the galaxy at the behest of somebody who's pulling their strings and you know but some things never change and jim holden is still a boy scout and he's going to change the rules oh my goodness so, <laughs> so um the dynamic with the 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 idea that that Holden I and when I when when we're listening to it and Holden goes to the planet and uh, on the other side of the rings and pulls in the governor of the planet renegotiates the whole deal you know he's supposed yeah. to go in there and just kill everybody and no he's going to bring him back have him stand trial does what James Holden always does I was thinking to myself oh this is going to be a book about this and about all this fallout. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. Like Stephanie says, some things never change. <laughs> uh, and then we realize he's going to sell. And I'm like, now, wait mm. a minute. There is no way he's going to sell and just disappear. I hate it when I'm right. But I also kind of loved it. <laughs> like Bobby says, I've been the captain of the Rosinante for about a week. Like, <laughs> And then he's back. He's back. So. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot of people feeling that, right, Stephanie? <laughs> yes, yes. All I don't right. know. There was that that conversation that um, I don't know. Okay, I'm just gonna throw it all out there. I'm I'm with Jim on this one. I am done. I am ready to retire. I am done with Expanse and the Rosi, <laughs> and I'm I'm really like that's where I'm at. And so when Era's like, oh, he's retiring, fantastic. There's still another book. There's still another two books. Oh, really? Yeah. Don't two, tell me these two. things, yeah. man. Hang in there, Stephanie. Okay, so <laughs> with that aside, everyone knows I am not thrilled about these books, and yet they are not bad books. They're not bad writing. I just, I'm, I'm done. But anyway, that's beside the point. This is your slog through the wheel of time that other people have done when they said, I don't necessarily enjoy these, but I'm going to do them because everybody says you have to do them. Sure. Okay. I don't know. I'm on my third reread of Wheel of Time, so I, I don't you, understand you really that. Enjoyed that yeah. I do. I really enjoy the Wheel yeah. of Time. But anyway, so there's the conversation after um they've taken over Medina Station and the um, Jim and Naomi are together trying to figure things out and the crew of the Rosies over here all together and Bobby has this plan and I'm like, She's she's taken over. She's She's taking this captain thing seriously. And I'm like, she's fantastic. Large and in charge. She is a fantastic choice to take over yes. and everything. And then she'll, she's in the room with the, the underground people. Yeah. And she's ready to stake her claim. And she knows this is going to take weeks. And Holden walks in. And everyone's like, Jim Holden, we're <laughs> saved. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, you're the crew? Sure, come on in. We'll accept you now. And... <laughs> Just that moment of listening to Bobby comment about how upset and how annoyed, not upset, like she knows it's Jim. She's 
she gets it she's seen this for 30 years yep yeah but i just kind of felt bad for her i'm like oh i'm feeling for bobby on this one like bobby in this story i'm like let's get more of bobby i'm sure like more her point of view more of where she's coming from because i'm enjoying i like bobby i mean i've always liked bobby but in this book particularly i'm enjoying her storyline of i am too of that middle place of she's captain but she doesn't have quite the same respect and even um is it alex that comments to her about amos all of a sudden like holden's back oh yeah cap holden's back and he goes back to call on him cap yeah and alex asks her like does that does that bother you and she's like "Eh." she has a real interesting relationship with it too especially because we've we've followed bobby as this interesting side character that is always just on the fringes Mm -hmm. and now she's really in the thick of it and she's smarter than everybody else there and no one cares because jim's there jim has to be the i i like where um when uh naomi says to jim you better figure out what's going on between you and bobby he says yeah i was thinking i better do that (laughs) and then they have their little greeting he comes back and she says are you all right he says no (laughs) <laughs> anything I should be worried about? No, yeah. I'm just a tool. And she says, well, you kind of are. <laughs> and and yet, he had just embraced it and ran with it. I was, I I mean, you know, if they, if these are people, it, it shows to me how much he really doesn't want to be involved in everything because he's like, yeah, I got this great idea. Uh, I talked to her and she figured out all the details, so she's going to explain it. See ya. I'm going to go have some lunch. <laughs> I mean, he's just kind of, Doing everything he can to try and bow out gracefully and just, you know, kibitz here and there as everybody else is playing chess while he's sitting on the side saying, don't move there. No, not that one. <laughs> well, and he's the kind of guy who wants to give people their due also. And yes, and he recognizes that Bobby is the captain and he recognizes that he has a lot of gravity in this universe, meaning that when he walks into a room, all focus Drags right to him. him. And he knows it. I mean, it's been his life for 30 plus years. And so the line that she did of, do you remember the song that we sang that last time? Yes, that was you, brilliant. Who was the lead singer? Okay, now who plays oh, bass? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know bands that way. Of course, yeah. I know some of the instrumentalists too, but that's because I'm a freak. Um, but it's, it's very, yeah, you know, it was very, the, the uh, example was very, Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was nice. That was a fine piece of writing, that was. (laughs) So what do we think about Amos and Clarissa? Nothing. (laughs) That's kind of how I was like, they're there. I I think that they've had an interesting 30-year codependent relationship, kind of like Bobby and Alex. And that's how they were set up, you know, back in book five almost. even Bobby and Alex have more of a depth to their, at least that we know of. Yeah more of a depth to their relationship we see their interactions and everything like we have not really seen any interactions from amos and clarissa that warrant the depth of connection that the two of them obviously have yeah they're very much attached for whatever reason that is but we just they haven't given us anything so i'm kind of like this is just weird so can i give you my take on it yeah having not read Okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay, never mind. We're going to switch subjects there. Uh, how about how about that ozone layer? Um, so I, I guess for me, the, the part that that I've 
looked at on this and that I've that I've kind of and again I haven't read the churn. Don't say that. Um, okay, I won't say that I haven't read the, the churn. The listeners were said they don't want to hear any more about the churn. Apparently. Okay. So. Well, in that case, I'm I see I've been off Discord for a while, Same. so I can't know. Um, but I feel like um, Amos has a a depth of understanding of just how alone Clarissa is because he's been there himself. And so he understands that, that in a place like that, when you have someone that you can, that, that you need, that you need somebody to guide you through that that's what you do. And then you stay together and you watch out for each other. And it's almost in this, in a similar way that Naomi looked out for Amos you remember uh, yeah. there was a point where they talked about um, this is several books ago where they talked about the fact that Naomi was Amos's conscience. You know, she was his Jiminy Cricket yeah. telling him, you know, right and mm -hmm. wrong. And he wasn't sure who else he could trust that way. Well, I think that Clarissa has that kind of relationship with Amos and Amos feels that level of responsibility. So when I see the when I was watching that, that was the that was the vibe I got. Maybe it's just because I want to think nicely of of these two people because they're both really murderous human beings. <laughs> um, I'm still remembering the time that he was called James Holden's uh, personal hired killer. assassin. Hired assassin. Yeah. I think I just want more in the writing Yeah, that warrants, even if we had gotten that early or like in the previous book with when Clarissa kind of like joins the crew. Yeah. Yeah. Just something that give the, a small conversation with anyone, really. It could have been Amos and anyone as yeah. to like just his justification of why he felt she needed to be there, what was happening, like something that just like cemented that in my mind that, okay, this this has a deeper meaning. I'm okay with this relationship moving forward now. I wish I could yeah. remember where why I feel that way. It feels like there was something in. And there might be, and I've don't remember i well and i and obviously i don't remember either i've just kind of accepted it and run with it so yeah, yeah i don't i've just kind of seen it always as two broken pieces that seem to work together and they're content with that and away we run because everybody needs someone to you know belong to you know and i'll buy that and um one of the things that one of the things that i appreciate has not been overdone in this series um, and maybe people will throw up their arms in, in exasperation about me because there certainly is uh, some sexual activity, but there's not a lot of, of uh, romance driving all of these relationships. These are very mature, uh, not giddy, romantically laden relationships. Um, Especially not in your 70s. I mean. Well, and that's the thing is that these are these are people who have figured out what, what they mean to each other beyond mm -hmm. simple physical attraction and some right. of those kinds of things. And I, f I find that very, man, I'm going to sound horribly old and I guess I am, but I find that very relatable. Um, you know, you, it's, it's a powerful thing to know someone well enough that some of that other, uh, useless drivel kind of floats away and it's no longer, ne no longer as necessary, no longer yeah. a center stage. Anyway, I guess I'm sounding like a grandpa. But, uh, <laughs> I do have three married children, so I guess I'm entitled. That's the way it works. That's um, what happens. So let me ask this question. Um, the Laconians coming in, what are your thoughts? What, what, what thoughts do you have about them? 
Well, it pays off the uh, it pays off that from the first, well, the second trilogy, I guess we'll call it, uh, where the Laconians take up a whole bunch of ships and arms and stuff, and they take off to the tail end of the universe, and it's all very set up to imply that something is going to become of that later, and here it is, and not realizing, oh, it's now the central focus of the last three uh, books of the series, and there's always a bigger bad guy, right? That's and this is this is the biggest of the bigger bad guys, and so so far, so far, and it'll be interesting to see how. It's interesting to me how, th- with a singular purpose, they have gone and decided we are going to advance civilization, and then we are going to set it on the merry course that we and really only one person I have decided is the right way, and. Um, Clearly, they have the bigger stick right now because, I mean, they can't, nothing can touch, can touch those uh, battleships, you know. And so it'll be interesting to see how they. This is this is kind of predictive. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see how they unite some of these like freehold type places that are primitive to find the find the fractures and attack there, you know, a, a thousand little ants taking down. One whatever I can't I can't even think of a good analogy, but one big. But you know scorpion. you know what I'm talking about though. Yeah. What do you think, Steph? She thinks okay. nothing. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I have a strong opinion on them. Um, I I keep saying I'm just I don't feel like anything has changed. Yeah. Like it's just again it's the. The Rossi, the t- like the crew of the Rossi. After the big guy that, like world domination, and in this one it's like universes domination, yeah. like yeah. I I guess one of the things that I've been thinking about uh, over the last week as I've, because I I read all the way through real fast and then I went back and I re listened to it again, um, and I'm so you have finished the book? Uh, no, 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 no. I I've read. Through one chapter twenty six twice. Twice, okay. Yeah, um, and I'm, <laughs> um, uh, I've really been enjoying it. Obviously, um, maybe that shows how shallow my life is. Uh, but I've been seeing the Laconians through. Uh, there's a there's a statement that Avasarala makes to Drummer, where she says, "I'm a student of history. If you read history, it's like reading prophecy. Mm-hmm. If you know what you're looking at, and I'm as I'm as I'm." that changed my perspective on watching this whole thing lay out. And I feel like, um, we're watching the documentation of the Roman empire expanding into Britain and expanding into some of these places where they weren't invited. Um, and, and they bring civilization for crying out loud. We bring running water and plumbing and you're fighting against us who fights against the romans we offer you roman citizenship we you know um some of the th- comments that sing makes we're just letting them know that they're citizens of here already all they have to yeah. do is stop fighting they stop fighting exactly and the they beatings are will not. continue until morale includes yeah. yeah and and i guess for me as i was as i've been reading through this i've been i've been feeling like i wonder if this is the kind of story that we would that we would have been given if 
the insurrectionists against the Roman Empire had survived long enough to have written their own histories. That is deeper than I thought about this. That was a pretty level two <laughs> point on this book, wasn't it? It really was. Good job. I like the fact that Avasarla retired and decided that she needs a hobby, so she's going to make Winston Duarte her hobby. And that is convenient because, well, here he is back, and now we need her expertise, so it makes her germane to the story again. Okay, so, uh, let, but let's be fair. A... 70-year-old former head of state deciding to spend the next 30 years studying another head of state yeah. for a hobby? I bet I bet she's well into her 90s. I, th I figured I maybe she's closer pushing to over. Yeah, I bet she's, yeah. she might be pushing over at this point. I think she is too. So, Because she I, was already old. I, basically, she's studying history. I mean, people have done that, right? Oh, I like this character in history. I want to go study everything I can about them. It just so happens that this one it was alive in her lifetime and disappeared 30 years ago, and now she wants to know why. Uh, what compelled him to up and run and take a bunch of uh, military sympathizers with him. And, and now here we are. And so my question going forward is how quickly or how, how far into the next two books until uh, the crew of the Rosinanti finds his college memoir or his college uh, project, whatever that, that oh, seems it, to make that, him tick. Mm -hmm. so. I bet it doesn't take long. I bet it doesn't take long. His manifesto, that's the word. Yeah. His manifesto. In fact, apparently, it's required reading of every academy graduate going through the Laconian military. Um, Which so, is why they're all ship shape and... Oh, my word. Yeah. Okay, Bristol so... fashion, as it were. <laughs> so, um, the other thing that I found really interesting, and I, I'm curious what you guys think about this, and then we'll, and then we'll talk, have Tinken talk about some punching, because there is some punching that goes on. Um... <laughs> There is. Uh, just a little bit. So this is the first book that, well, no, I guess we we had Earth. We had the, the bombing of Earth. But this is the first book in a while that we've had that is taking place without having to take weeks to get from one place to another. <laughs> it's yeah. all taking place inside, still on a starship, but in these cramped little quarters, but they aren't going anywhere. Does that change the way that it feels to you guys at all? No, <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't only in the sense that I don't have to keep up with how long is this, how long is this taking? We know that the other battleship is coming in the next 40 days or whatever. 40 so, days. So the, this entire from the, from chapter one till now has probably been, it was weeks for the Rosinante to get to freehold. So weeks to get back. And then they'd been on Medina for about a week before the tempest shows up. And so, I mean, we're talking about, you know, course of a couple months. That's nothing in book terms. I mean, lots Not of in these books. Yeah. Well, in, in most books, it's, it takes, you know, in, in the wheel of time, it takes weeks to get from city to city. It takes months to hatch a plan and have it work and stuff. So, so it's not uncommon and it's not hard to wrap my brain around the timeline here, I guess. It was harder in the beginning when it was like, it'll take 18 months to get from here to there. Yeah. You know, it, to get to Illus, it took 18 months and stuff like that. Ugh. That's hard to keep in, in the forefront of your mind. So anyway. Uh, what do you think, Steph? I was just thinking back to some of the conversations, and I think it's mostly been in um, from Drummer's point of view, is every, like, everyone is kind of on the same station, but that doesn't mean that everything that's happening outside of them 
that they get immediate information from. Like yeah. there's a moment, like, there's some battle or whatever that they finally like, there's like an up, be an uprising and they're going to try and they decide to attack the ship and she's watching the feeds of the ship thing and yeah, this other ship gets blown up or disintegrated or whatever actually happens. And it's, she's like, this happened hours ago. Yeah. By the time I saw, by this, the time it I saw it, happened. it's done. These people are dead. I can't do any, like even telling them to retreat. I it doesn't matter because it's yeah. over with like, so there's still moments like that where you're reminded of travel and communication. And that is one thing that at least in this period of history that they have not managed like that instantaneous communication yeah. that you see in some sci-fi stories that you can just, send this blurb out and you can get this immediate response. And so they're all still dealing with that. And I think that's just one of those extra problems that you have to add on to the complexity of a storyline when communication isn't instantaneous. It's you can't like they're writing these yeah. missives and they're like, this is blah, 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 blah. And they're on their video feeds and now they have to wait for a response. Well, we're waiting hours for a response because it's going to take an hour to get there and it's going to take an hour to get back. And so I guess I don't think of it on a grand scheme of time. Mm -hmm. It's more of what's happening in their day-to-day -day activities and how it's in how interacting with things happening outside of Medina is affecting them. Cool. I do okay. like that part. The speed of light is still the speed of light. Yeah. So and no matter how much protomolecule is involved. <laughs> the restrictions that are involved are still you know, hours and weeks and months for communication. Even if we're all on Medina together, causing problems. That's right. Speaking of causing problems. Oh, those, those belters, man. <laughs> and the inners. Yes, right. That was an interesting point uh, that, that Holden makes is, uh, did you notice how yeah. quickly it, uh, or how uh, little time it took for the belters to start calling the Laconians the inners? Yeah. It's just enters is like the boogeyman. It's like, oh, that's the bad guy. They're the enters. Yeah, yeah. Now, so. It's a slur. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily now have anything to do with geography. I really has, think they're more like, they're the outers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're not inners oh, anymore. They should call them that, the outers. They're outers. I wonder how long it's going to take until they do that. Because they're not. They're not from Mars anymore. I mean. No. They're, they're definitely their own, their oh, own their thing own now. Breed. Yeah. So I, I don't think, I guess. I remember that conversation and them saying that, but I'm like, but they're not, they're not really inners anymore. I, I get that that's a, a belter insult. Yeah. But. And I wonder too, if Holden is going to bring that one up, Mr. Hey, let's all think about how we're all human at this yeah. point in time. I'm, yeah. I'm expecting to hear something about that as we get further into the book. Didn't, uh, well, Bobby said that at, uh, when, when she met with the, with the one gal with from the, the uh, Voltaire Collective yeah. lady. It's like, we're all just, we're, we're not Martians, Earthers, Belters. We're all here trying to keep them. We're soul from, system. Yeah. We're humans so we're, from soul. Yeah. Basically, it's like, we have the common the common enemy now. We need, and she said, oh, us. actually not a bad argument. And then <laughs> Amos blows it all up in spectacular fashion. So I wonder, I, this is one of those where I'm like, she sees Amos move. We haven't heard. All we've gotten is the fight. Right. We haven't heard Amos say, well, you know, what happened? <laughs> I feel like this is Amos 
making stuff happen. You know what I mean? It feels like this was going to have a relatively violence-free resolution and Amos found a reason to be violent. <laughs> to I me. don't know. I don't I don't know that for sure or not, but it feels like, because it seems like everything is drawing down and Amos is like, keep giving me that look and I'm going to shove your head, you know? <laughs> like, okay. Oh, boy. And then all of a sudden, Bobby's like, and Bobby was getting cool. And then she found she was in a fight. Like, yep. Oh, so this is happening. And that was a good fight, too. That was an interesting <laughs> fight. The, uh, the, the, the statement about the swinging wrench and, yeah. uh, hitting her jaw and dislocating it. And she said, well, so much for not having stitches. Um, <laughs> I got a kick out of that. I thought that was, I'm sorry. You didn't obviously get a <laughs> kick out of that. <laughs> Stephanie's like, like, I don't know. Yeah. Fights, whatever. Yeah. It's just one more I thing I mean, we in could go book. and talk about the shower scene with, um, Naomi and Holden, if you'd rather, I mean, uh, we can talk about that too, if you like. <laughs> Hey, I was on an episode. I was on a uh, steampunk romance episode with Megan and Stephanie. Yeah, they like their romance. <laughs> was that more I'm not captivating for you and your attention then? Yes, but not for the creepy way it sounds like. <laughs> uh, Had nothing to do with the fact that they were in the shower. I loved the fact that Naomi is like, we can talk now. Yeah. It is the opportunity to, yeah, to get past all of the listening devices yep. see and i'm still like going oh i love the moment like you're in jim's head and he's talking about naomi and like that he's still so much in love with her and they're like oh but now they can talk blah 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 they list the, the logistics of why they're in the shower and i'm like yeah that's not why i mentioned it but okay <laughs> we know we know and that's the difference let's, between let's you go and back us. to the punching <laughs> Stephanie just likes to be clean. We'll man. talk about the guy that ended up with strawberry jam on his face. Okay, that yeah. was that was an interesting description. How he just all of a sudden he he has to figure out a way to make it compute before he realizes, oh, this is what's his name's you know brains on my face. Oh man, so, that was so not one of my favorite moments. In this yeah, book. that it was, was kind of. You're the one that wanted to talk about violent things, so I just brought it up. <laughs> that one was trippy, but you knew it was coming. I mean, it was already, it was set up that uh, what's-his-face, the former head of security, was going to lead. Oh, yeah. A completely counterproductive and pointless uh, insurrection, as it were, you know, for people getting mad at the boss, but it wasn't much of a, wasn't much of anything. The interesting thing, I think, for me on that one was the, was um, how we're given this view of the difference between a pragmatist and an absolute ideologue. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got the we've got the colonel, the marine colonel, who's saying this is not a good idea. You are going to completely alienate everybody that you're trying to win over by doing something that is absolutely pointless and not going to change anything. And he's like, yes, it will. Yeah. It will change everything and it will make everybody happier, especially me. Um, I just have this, I just, I, I know we're supposed to, you know, these guys are, but I have this image of him being this short, angry little man. Sing? Yeah. Oh, I don't see him that way. Oh, I do. I see him as being somebody with no real world experience and a whole lot of book learning theory 
who's now trying to put it into practice and realizing really fast that all of his theoretical ideas don't really work in practice. And now he's gotten rid of the one person who has actual practical experience because his pride has told him, Oh, I gotta be this over here. And now he's going, I, I feel like it's just a series of cascading missteps and one is bad and next one is worse. And next one, he's going to descend quite quickly into that's it. You're all going to bed without supper. And by that, I mean, I'm going to wipe you all out. If you even so much as get out of line. It reminded me of a, of a segment from starship troopers when uh, Rico is being, is given, being given his first command. And are you talking about the book or the movie? I'm talking about the book. Okay. Uh, yeah, we don't talk about the movie. The movie does the the movie may share a title, but they it have is, the same name, they, and that's it. That's all. That's right. That's where we, that's where we're ending. Mm-hmm. Except that it has a shower scene. Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> well, then, um, I don't know. But Never the uh, it it was the moment where where Rico's uh, he's just coming out of officer candidate school, and his teacher, one of his teachers, there says, "You're not going to give a single order." you're going to listen to your sergeant because your sergeant knows what to do and your sergeant's going to suggest things. And then you're going to say, yep, that's the order and don't get an idea unless you've run it past. I see that kind of relationship only obviously Singh didn't get that instruction. No. Yeah. And the moment he tried to get that instruction, he ostracized the one person that watched it. Oh yeah. Totally botched it. So, which means that he's going to be, I, I, I would imagine that, well, I, I don't know if we're at the point of making predictions for the rest of the book. Um, Might as well. Mm. Is there anything left that you guys want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the shower scene in more detail? No. I do have an opinion about Sing, though. Oh, I want to hear it. I was going to. Sh- I, I, I don't know, like, it. listening to you guys, I guess I never really, I he never came across that way to me. I feel like he's very naive and very ignorant. Yes. But I I haven't gotten the sense from him that he's hopeless that he's doomed to failure, I guess. I don't know. He, there's yeah. a, a conversation that he has with one of his superiors. With the Admiral? With yeah. Admiral, what's his name? I don't remember. I don't remember, but, but I, like the, I like that guy. The yeah. the conversation that they were having, like, reminding him, yeah, like, you screwed up, and you know you, like, he even knows. He's very well aware that yeah. that was a mistake. Yep. And he can't go back on it. Because he still has to be in charge. He still yes. has to save face. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Like that, that I feel like he's taking that, that tumble down the hill of that things are going to just descend into madness because he started off here and made that one mistake. And now he just keeps making mistakes. I guess I feel more hopeful for him mm. because he still feels like I still feel like he's very educated yeah. In his decisions, and he realizes that he doesn't have the real world experience, and he was put in this position because he doesn't have the real world experience. And yes, he was given someone that was supposed to help him, and he kind of tossed her out. But I feel like he's still, as he's learning, I mean, he's still kind of the bad guy and everything, but I don't know. I want, maybe I just want more from him. I'll buy that. Yeah. I want. I want to give him my hope so that well, he's not just going to be the ultimate bad guy. Yeah. And there can be. I don't think he's going to be the ultimate bad guy for sure. But No, I think Duarte is. He, he comes across, even the first time we see Singh, he comes across as, this is a guy who's nice. He's got a little girl. He's got a wife. Then they have a good relationship. He's a good guy, right? And then he, he continues to want to be a good guy as he goes along. And he even admits when he messed up and... Uh, 
Admiral Trejo, by the way, that's the guy who I don't know why that just came to my mind, but he even admits as, as he's speaking to Admiral Trejo, he's like, oh, I guess I could do better at that, you know, and stuff. But I just, every time he does something that gives me hope, he does something else that makes me think, oh, you have just uh, messed that up, you know, and, and who knows, maybe, maybe he'll come around, but I feel like he's the kind of guy who's going to go down with his bad mistakes. He is certainly being portrayed as a, uh, and they call him this a couple of times, as a true believer. Right. All of these others, uh, Admiral Trejo, Tonica, the lieutenant, the lieutenant colonel of the, yeah, that was there first. These are people who they, they have real world experience. They have real world experience, but they came from Mars, right? And they came through the gate with Duarte. They've been there for thirty years, and maybe they're true believers, and maybe they aren't, but they've seen human they've seen humanity from a different perspective right and and singh has this perspective that well everybody's going to make sense in fact he uh i just i just was listening again to the point where he was talking about oh people who are people who uh take moves of like filling a, a ship full of people with rifles to come and attack a big ship uh are really bad at math and that kind of and those kinds of people don't deserve sympathy they deserve to be educated very quickly Right. Uh, about the about the stupidity of what they're about to do. And his way of doing that is, well, we're going to send you to trial and I'm going to instruct the judge to find you all guilty. And unless you turn uh, unless one of unless one of you try, decides to try and inform on your others and that one will survive and the rest of you will die. So there you go. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> holy mackerel. All righty. There's a there's there's true believer and there's this jump. And that's <laughs> the that's the place where I'm wondering if yeah. if the jump is going to go. As far as I think, or if he's going to redeem himself and maybe be not quite so much of a really, really bad human <laughs> being. I feel like, um, I feel like a traitor is coming by the way. Um, a traitor in the, from one of those, one of the insurrection, one of the, uh, insurgent groups. I feel like, oh yeah, somebody is going to turn traitor or turn informant for the Laconians we have far too many chapters to not have some kind of a traitor. Yeah. Just just seeing is that a trope? Traitor in the ranks? I don't know. I mean it can be, right? <laughs> sure. There's got to be some of those that are like self-preservation and my best uh, chance to preserve myself is to sign up with, you know, these guys like, "Hey, I got information and here it is. Just uh, kill me last," you know. Yeah. So, yeah. we haven't even talked about the um the unintentional uh, uh, doomsday device that they found that the one guy found, I can't, re I can't remember the old uh, security chief's name that uh, found the little doomsday device when the tempest fired up its weapon. And he said, it, uh, gamma rays, gamma rays or whatever the big energy source all, was all and, kinds of, all kinds of energy dumped through the gates to kill off that would, that fried a couple of crews waiting from one of the other gates and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And yeah. so he's, he's like, Ooh, how can we, how can we weaponize this and put it in the middle of the ring hub and, and basically hold it over the heads of all 1300 other, uh, colonies. You and know? we turn everyone into the Hulk and we have a uh, new human race. There we go. And as much as I would love to say, well, you know, it's the warlike Laconians that came up with that. Let's be honest. Drummer is saying, watching the, watching the, uh, Tempest come through the gate says, gee, it's big enough. It should have caused a problem. Hey, wonder if we could have figured out how to use that against it. <laughs> right. uh, we're all, we all come across this magnificent technology and everybody says, how can we use it to kill each how other? How can we weaponize it? Yeah. That's kind of, 
That's the way it works. That's kind of us as human beings, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Whether yeah. we come from Earth or Laconia. I guess so. All yeah. right. So any other predictions that we want to make for the for the second half of this book? No. Uh, <laughs> I predict that Stephanie will be unhappy I predict reading that Stephanie the second will half get, of this book. I predict Stephanie will actually finish the second half of the book. There we go. We will record on a certain date and Stephanie will finish it about five minutes before the start of that episode. Yes, she will. Having started it about two hours, hours before yeah. the start of that no, episode. No, you have to give me like five hours. Okay. Because that's Fine. how fast my audio book we'll give you. We'll give you five hours. Maybe so. if you slowed it down to six hours, you'd enjoy it more. Probably not. I'd probably shoot myself after listening to it for... We don't want you to shoot yourself. No, I don't know. It's not that bad. I'm sorry. I make it sound like this is like... It's not your cup of tea. Like the worst experience of my entire life. And it's not... You have been such a good sport to read these through <laughs> with us. And we and we genuinely appreciate it. don't want it. to sound like this horribly negative person. Hey, I'm going to finish the parasol protectorate for you. You're going to finish this for me. I didn't ever say I wasn't going to finish it. I'm just... <laughs> they're not my... They're not my style of books. No, that's I get true. It. I get it. And And I'm just so giddy about it all. And I apologize. And I didn't realize that I had 112 books to read of this. <laughs> and so now I'm Two. a little depressed. I think we sold you on reading the first three. And then we just yeah, kept going. Yeah, and then it just kept going. Each book, each book has about 52 chapters. It seems like that's pretty much the standard. So you've got 104, 128 chapters left. That's all. 130 chapters left. That's it. Thanks, Ken. See, that's not so bad. I appreciate that. Yeah. I might go cry myself to sleep tonight. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I don't know. I think I finally just kind of taken on this persona of what everyone expects me to say about these books. Right. Exactly. And now I'm just like leaning a little too far into that. Well, um, you're going to lean until you fall over. <laughs> I I will say that as, as, as much as you are not having a wonderful time, I am having so much fun. <laughs> um, I really, I really have enjoyed this series. And I, I, in fact, um, one of the things that was kind of interesting for me is I, as we've been going through this most recent, uh, book, I also found a, another book called the science of science fiction. It's a free on audible. Ooh. And, uh, it's a physics professor who goes through and talks about all kinds of, of science fiction pieces that are really good and very accurate about the way that they treat hard science. And she had some really glowing things to say about The Expanse, which made me kind of smile. Because um, so I have really very much enjoyed, uh, obviously there are adjustments that have to be made in order to make the story hold together. Yeah. But they've they've held with some real uh, fundamental pieces of physics and science as we understand it uh, and as it exists. And I've just really thoroughly enjoyed the way that that has played into the storytelling. So I've enjoyed it. By the way, there is a novella between Persepolis Rising and Tiamat's Wrath. It's called Oberon. I may have to read that. I know nothing about what it, uh, I know nothing of what it's about, but I know that Oberon keeps getting mentioned in this book as one of the big uh, systems of, yeah. of import in, in the uh, network of planets because everybody kind of relies on everybody. Nobody, no other planet has managed to make itself self-sustaining or or uh, survivable on its own yet, except for 
except Laconia. for Laconia, and they had proto molecule help and well, a whole bunch of stolen technology. And so a whole bunch of stolen technology. Everywhere else, it's like it's a settlement, maybe two, and they really rely on the commerce that comes through the uh, the gate network. That three years at least to be able to support themselves in, um, on their own. Yeah. Yeah. So Oberon. and that's after thirty years of trying to homestead on these yeah. places. So so Oberon, I don't know. It sounds like it could be good. I guess we'll find out. You might. I think uh. I'll find out. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got twenty six more chapters. Yay! Only, only twenty six more. Only twenty six more chapters <laughs> and two more books. Something tells me that uh, this is going to be a whole lot of punching, and Stephanie's going to avoid our little chat until <laughs> five five hours before it's time for us to record. Oh, here's here's another prediction for you. Someone is going to die. Oh yeah, you think? There you yeah. go. Going out on a limb for that one. And I'll bet it's not James Holden. F. I should have. I, his middle name should have been F. F. His middle initial should Franklin. have been F. James Franklin. James Holden. F. Holden. Yes. Yes. I think you you need to change that for next time. All right. Done. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>